you for answered prayer there. I pray, Lord, that this message will bring you glory and honor. Uh, I pray that you might use me as your instrument to proclaim your word through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I just wanted to think, of course, the announcement was, was made, I think yesterday I sent it out, that uh, we're going to have a board meeting after church. So the excitement for the day just keeps going, doesn't it? Just an amazing thing. You know, one night in 1934, a young high school teenager went to the altar. It was during the time when they were having a series of revival meetings. And he gave his life to Christ. And he gave his life to Christ when the speaker quoted Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This one verse profoundly changed young Billy Graham's life. And for years in his crusades, if you ever watch them or whatever, they're on TV everywhere. And he, he told millions of people through all those years, God loves you. God loves you. Because that's what changed his heart. Hearing that in that one verse, see, in that one scripture, God spoke to him. And so we're talking about, uh, in this series, how God's voice, how God speaks to us. And that, that one is absolutely right on the top, isn't it? So I'm going to talk about four ways of knowing God's voice. Now, we know there's more than four ways. I mean, it's a long series here. I just wanted to dear, deal with uh, four today. And my first thought is, does what we hear bring honor to God? Give glory and honor. When God speaks to you, and when God speaks to me, it should bring him glory. It should bring him honor. If it doesn't, when people say, God's speaking to you, he's speaking to me. If it's all about you, 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 and your situation, then you need to pause. How is this going to bring God glory and God going to bring God honor? Always, I do, I have to always do a check to make sure that my motives are right. That when God speaks to me, and I feel God speaking to me, is it going to give him glory? Is it going to give him honor? So let's look at Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to his conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. And verse 16 says that a, a deceitful heart is beyond cure. People living in the flesh will not hear God's voice. If you are operating in the flesh, by and large, you will not hear God's voice because God, the Lord searches our hearts, he examines our motives, and he rewards us accordingly. He rewards us accordingly. I went to Judson College, did my undergraduate degree from Judson, and I don't know what it is today, but back in the day, it was 
You know, we had chapel. I guess they still do have chapel every week or whatever. You, you, and you have to go to chapel. You get so many time. You know, and back in my day, it was like six, time, six excuses to miss chapel or whatever. But my point is, it was very, very Christ-centered. And, and by and large, the students were, 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 had come from really Baptist traditions, and, but very, come from very religious families, etc. So it wasn't uncommon to pray. It wasn't uncommon to talk about the Lord, even in classroom or whatever. All of our professors were, were Christians. So it was a great, it's a great community. It's a great college, right? It is, it is a fantastic college. But anyway, I was in a... I was taking a, a, a class on Isaiah, and we were, we were having a big test. Professor wasn't there, so he had a, a, one of the students, one of the seniors, whatever, kind of prompt the class or whatever. And so we had these tables. We didn't have desks. We had the tables, the folding tables, and X amount of people to each table. I'm saying this because I'm setting it up what happened. And so the deal was we would set, you know, every other seat. You couldn't be next to, you know, your fellow student because it was a big test. So um, being me, I was in the front row. Not because I was special, but I just liked the front row. And so I'm, I'm there. With, during the test, you know, you can see your peripheral vision. I can see Rudy as I'm looking at Chris. And I could see movement. And one of the students was cheating. Oh, yeah, it was bad. He was cheating. Yeah. I know. No. You're interrupting my message, please. <laughs> and, and so he was, he was cheating, and I looked again, I looked again, and he had all of his notes and everything laid out on the chair between us. You know, and I was getting ticked off. You know, and they were all working hard, really trying to, trying to make it. And this guy's trying the easy way out. So this was on a Friday. So I prayed about I knew what I had to do. I had to go to the professor Monday and tell him what I had seen. And so I go in to see the professor. And I told him what I had witnessed. And he said, you're not the only one. I felt good about that, that I wasn't the only one to be the guy's accuser. So... The professor, for whatever reason, he wanted me to stay in the office, in his office, when he confronted the student. Now, I figure the reason why he wanted me there, because back in those days, I was ripped. You know, I figure he wanted me as a bodyguard, you know, just in case this, you know, just in case this student was, uh, was going to give him some problems. So I'm in there, and really, this student came in, and this will blow you away. The professor was very, you know, very straightforward, very pastoral, and said, you were caught cheating. And the student looked at him and looked at me and said, how could anybody accuse me of cheating? I wasn't cheating. You know, at that point, I'm going to say, liar, liar. <laughs> you know, he was, he was blatantly cheating. You know, some people will go to any means... If they, they want something so, so much that they even try to justify their sinful uh, uh, actions to make it happen. That same, 
Now this is, you're getting a bonus today, this morning. That same student, this is no lie, Jen knows that. Sometimes I kind of exaggerate things when I'm joking around, but this is not an exaggeration. You guys don't trust me anymore. Um, we had a paper in that, in that class. It was a, our major paper for the semester, 20 pages. And we had to have X amount of, of, of secondary uh, resources and primary resources. And there again, what happened was the same student and we had to make, and we had to do these presentations in class, of our paper. And uh, so, he was a he was a Muslim. Where we come, he came from Egypt, Muslim Christian, slash I guess. And so he talked about the Quran. Did a great job. But he had zero resources. So there again, I was called by the professor. It must have been, again, I must have really impressed, impressed him because he confronted him about his paper and he gave him a, a he really dropped, I don't get a D or whatever it was, and he goes, why? Why? And the professor said, didn't I say it's in the syllabus? You have to have X amount of resources and you have none. All you have is the Quran." And he could not understand that. He, couldn't, he thought he was being persecuted. You see, that's what sin can do. Sometimes we want something so bad that we even deny ourselves, deny what is right and what is wrong in order to get it. So that's my first thought. You know, if we really believe and, and we're hearing from God and hearing this voice, then these things are falling in place. We give glory and honor to God. God does not want to, us to use his word, to hear his voice, just for, simply for our own selfish gain. That is not God. In my book, in my world, number two, bailing out. Don't bail out. Philippians 1, 5, and 6. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul rejoiced. He rejoiced over the Philippians' desire for salvation and growth. He knew that he would, if they, if they would just hang in there and do what God called them to do, that it would be completed. It would be done correctly. When the going gets tough, God might be telling you, to hang in there, to hang in there. He might not be telling you to quit. I thought of that for a moment. I thought, how many times in my life have I quit? I didn't hang in there. You know, I prayed about something, but I just didn't follow through. I mean, all of us have done that. That's kind of, I guess, how we grow. But I think of the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus' arrest. And here Jesus faced the ultimate test of obedience to the Father. Remember in Luke, I think Luke twenty-two forty-two, Jesus said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. 
This cup represented the terrible torture and agony awaiting Jesus. However, Jesus knew that God would finish the redemptive work he had begun. Some start a task. They start a, they start a ministry thinking that they hear from God, but then when the going gets tough, they bail out. But remember this, Jesus, if you give you something, Jesus never misses an opportunity. Jesus will never leave a project dangling. Jesus and God never quit. They won't quit on us. So God is telling us, don't, we're not going to quit on you, so don't you quit on us. You hang in there. No matter how difficult it is, you hang in there. Yes, there are times I understand when God has called you to do something and that time has run out. Absolutely. But far too often, we don't want to be uncomfortable. You know, we don't. We want everything good. We want everything right. God told me this, so, okay, it's going to happen this way and that way. God told me through his word of where this church is going to change. That one day it's going to change. And you say, well, when's that day going to come? When's it going to come? Look at us. Hey, five years ago, right, John? And people, it's changed. It takes time. We need to just trust and be obedient and let God do what God's going to do. And you will see the change according to his timing and his glory. It will happen. Amen? Now, that's why I should have heard an amen. It, 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 amen. So we need to just, I think God wants to encourage us. Don't be discouraged. Small churches tend to get discouraged. So what, what do they do? Oftentimes, they paint a room. They say, ah, the room looks good. All right, I'm encouraged. You know, we're not going to paint a room yet, are we? Or whatever. Maybe we are. <laughs> that's right. Okay, you two, that's it. Ushers, get them out. <laughs> Yeah, see, my point is, is we just need to just to hang in there and know that our Lord is so faithful. He will handle whatever it is that comes our way. But don't, in your way, don't bail out. Please don't. Let God work through you, you know, and you will see. And you will know when it's time to shut it down. You will know what you know, what you know, what you know. But if you're at that point in your life where you're still hanging in there and you're a little bit wobbly about what God's doing, don't give up on that. Don't give up on that. Don't let Satan get in there and try to discourage you. See what God's going to do. It's exciting. Amen? And amen. That's right. Um, okay, we have number three. What does the Bible bring? Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light on my path. How many of you love camping or enjoy camping? Like campers in here? Okay. Some do. Okay, camping, yay. Well, I have a strong dislike for camping. <laughs> I, no, I'm just saying I, I, I do. I do. Now, listen, please hear me out before you say, oh, my goodness, everybody should love camping. Jan was a Girl Scout and a Brownie and a Mariner. So Jan is the, is, is the outdoors person in the family. 
you know. And uh, so she knows how to tie the knots. She knows how to light the fire without the matches and everything. And I was in Boy Scouts for one meeting. <laughs> True. One, no. I, one meeting, and because I thought, I'm not going to spend my time learning how to tie all of these knots. To me, it just didn't make any sense. And I didn't want to sleep outside because of the mosquitoes and everything. It never did anything for me to sit by the campfire and, and cook. So we decided, we decided in my second or third year in ministry, we were going to, as a family, we're going to go camping in, of all places, Colorado, right in the Rockies. Jan was excited. I was, yeah, I love her. And the kids, the kids were excited, so let's just do this thing. We got this beautiful tent from somebody from the church, and we were all set to go. Jan had the plan. I mean, she had all the badges and all that kind of stuff, so I figured she knew what she was doing. So we camped way up into the Rockies. We've got the tent, everything up. It was really kind of cool in many ways. And then we got some rain. It turned out to be a disaster. Kids were in one tent, we were in another. It was an ad flat out disaster. I hated every minute of it. And the thing is, too, see, I, she wanted to cook outside, no offense, Jan, but I wanted the menu, I wanted the Holiday Inn. That's what I wanted. But I remember one thing about that, it was beautiful. It really was. And at night, you know, with the stars, it was just so dark. So you're up there in the trees and everything, so you had to have your flashlight. And so, you know, the flashlight, you know, when it's really dark in your woods, you can only basically see in front of you. So you're taking one step at a time. And that's what the psalmist is telling us. He is saying what? Your, your word is a light to my feet, a lamp on my path or something. See what I'm saying? So what, what he's saying, the psalmist is saying, you, we take it one step at a time. God, his word is our light. And his light helps us walk through the darkness of this world. And how do we do that? We do that one step at a time. Sometimes it's one ask at a time. You know, we want to get ahead of God. God says, no, 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 you wait on me. It's one step, one ask at a time. And I will honor you. I will. I will do that for you. Applying the Bible is not simply taking your decision-making process. All your decisions that you feel that God has, has, has called you to, you've heard his voice, it's not putting it on a target, then shooting at it and hoping for the best. God's word is, is candid. God's word is straightforward. Yeah, there's some parts of it that we really struggle with, but by and large, you know, if you're really a, a reader of the Bible, you know what I'm talking about. You know, God gives us standards and values to live by, principles that we are called to live by. We're not called to cheat. You know, I don't have to. If, 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 I, if somebody says, well, you know what, I feel God is calling me to do this, but, you know, there's going to be a little bit of larceny involved in that. Uh, it's not really up in the up and up, but I really feel God's calling. He's not calling you. He's not calling you. That does not come from his word. See what I'm saying? You know, or if you're married, and, oh, I feel God is, oh, this woman's really captured my heart at, at, uh, around the water cooler at the office. 
And I think God is telling me, Sam, I think God is telling me that we are to get to know each other more personally. No. God is not calling you to adultery. He's not calling that. So we know there are basic things as we read God's word. He will open up. He will reveal to us what he wants us to know, how he wants us to react in every situation. But you need the compass. You need his word to do that. And sometimes it's no. Learn to follow the no. Amen? Amen. I know you don't want this to be over. <clears throat> but sometimes we just have to close things up. Okay, I want to go to number four. My, my fourth thought, if I can find it. Joy, an indicator of God's voice. Proverbs 17.22 A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Sometimes we forget that the second part of that verse. We say, a cheerful heart is good medicine. That's cool. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Some Christians operate under the crushed spirit part. They believe being happy can't come from God. Can't come from God. Friends, God wants us to be joyful. Did not Jesus say in John 15, 9 through 11, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Did you hear that? Verse 11, again, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. If Jesus' words remain in us, a wonderful abiding relationship develops, takes place between the Savior and us. Now I want you to take this personal. God wants to have a daily relationship with him. It's just like it's just you and Jesus in the world. Because Jesus died just for you, he died just for me. He wants that intimate, personal relationship with us. So desperately he wants this. Listen, the more your heart is on Jesus, the more you will want to be like him. Things that please Christ will please you. When Jesus is in your heart, don't you want to please him? I want to please him so much. Encouraging others will give you a sense of joy because 
It brings Jesus joy. Serving others gives us a sense of joy because it it brings joy to Christ. Praising Jesus gives us a sense of joy because it brings him joy when we praise him. Being obedient to Jesus, this is a big one for me. Being obedient to Jesus brings us a sense of joy because it brings him joy. God loves it when we are obedient to him. He just loves it. He eats it up. He just loves it. He just I can't say that enough. That's what God wants for us. He wants that for us. That when we love him, when we seek him, we are joyful because we know what we know what we know. And that brings him joy. You know, we're all different when we worship. We were well, I don't know what we were doing. We were in a church. A Sunday morning in this area actually and after, and during the worship Jan was praising God to the music and so forth. And she was the only one. I'm just saying. And so after the service was over, a woman approached Jan. And this is what she said. We don't do that here. Am I am I we don't do that here. Really? There are some people, some Christians, and far too many churches, I might add, that believe the sound of the organ singing the slow solemn hymns is the only sign of having spiritual uh, revelation or having uh, 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 been getting a deep spiritual reverence what have we we've been talking about that's not true I came out of that tradition that background we don't We don't raise our hands. We don't say praise God. We don't laugh in church. We don't do that because that's not giving God respect. Really? Is that true? That can't be true. Not according to the Bible that I read. One day there's going to be a celebration. When we're in heaven, we're going to celebrate and celebrate. There's going to be a party like you not believe. And we're going to be right in the center of it. We're going to be rejoicing and praising God all those things. That's part of Jesus. My goodness. He died on the cross for us. Can you imagine what life would be like without Jesus? I'd be afraid to die. I'd lock myself in a closet. We listen God's voice. We hear God's voice because it gives him and brings him uh, glory and honor. We hear God's voice when we are just hanging on. Not knowing what the step next step might be. We hear God's voice when the Bible is applied to our lives and we're controlled through the Holy Spirit. We hear God's voice 
And God's voice brings joy and laughter. Amen and amen. Listen, as I close, one sentence, Harvey, I'm done. Harvey says, please keep going. I'm done. But consider this, really, consider this. If any person has any reason to celebrate with joy and laughter, it's the Christian. It's us. It's us. I really believe in all my heart, if, if our Lord and Savior would walk right in here physically, he'd be laughing and be laughing with us. Don't you just love him? Don't you just love him? You know, I just love him so much. He loves me warts and all. He loves you warts and all. None of us are perfect, but Jesus loves us regardless. Stand with us and join us for one last song.